Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Thank you to Escape Space Games for sponsoring this season of Average Folks. Enjoy the show. Let's take a break. The sun has barely risen, though you wouldn't be able to tell through the dense layer of rain clouds. Today, these clouds are pale gray, comparable to the highlights atop Terra's head and the rain spattering is light on Vallis's pavements and streets. It is early enough that no one of any normal task is awake. The only folks donning the walkways of Vallis are volunteers. Folks who are sneaking across town to don a mask and work anonymously in Vallis's spiritual places. As such, Ovia's permanent alarm wakes her up first. <sighs> Gotta wake up! I know. In the next room, Ovia's sister Joan shifts loudly. Ovia snoozes her alarm. She rolls ungracefully out of bed and barely lands her feet on the floor. She decides pajamas are a good enough travel outfit, and she remains in them as she packs her afterwork bag with the clothes she actually enjoys wearing, and she packs her forework bag with the clothes that weigh a whole lot more and vibe a whole lot less. Ovia pauses at the doorway and says things that she typically says to the great they. She does this silently, until she remembers that she has to try the new mask on today before the remasking ceremony next Thursday. Oh. Ugh. Fuck. She knows nothing of the new animal that was chosen for the symbol. They're getting increasingly absurd, like most things here. Oh yeah? Was that some resentment in your voice? Ah, she goes back to talking, just not to us. 
At this same moment, deep in Lyeth Hall, on the second floor, his room wedged between Ellie's and the family common room, Dune Lyeth awakens to his alarm. The first time! And he springs out of bed. Rather, he attempts to. He is struggling against the blanket casket he has woven himself in the night. <laughs> Dune falls off the bed. Victory. Freedom. Dune stands. He stretches up, down. He touches the ground. Oh, puts me in the mood. Up, down, touch the ground. In the mood. Okay, okay, for copyright. Food? Dune. He procures a secret granola bar from his secret granola stash. Ooh, so secret, so intrigue. He ties his blonde hair in a bun, pinning up the straggling ends. He messes with his budding beard for a second. Ah, two seconds. That hair doesn't go there. Beard oil, that'll fix it. Ah. It does not! But it does make the misplaced hair minty fresh. Come on. Second alarm. The real one. You need to go. But. You'll be late. But. No one's gonna see your face anyway. You have to go. Fuck it. Okay. Okay. Dune Lyeth exits the room. Nimbly. So, so sneaky, sneaky. He waits. Seeing if he's woken Ellie next door. No. You're good. He tiptoes down the hall. <gasps> Mikhail's door is open, cracked just a smidge, an inch. Alas, Dune has practiced his sneakiness. He lithely dodges Mikhail's door, seeing and passing by that Mikhail is not there. Mikhail is not there? Huh. Daring, but so very curious. Dune peeks into his brother's room and sees no one in bed. Okay, maybe he's in the bathroom? Bathroom door is open, though. Lights off. Hmm. Mikhail is gone at four in the morning. Mikhail? Mikey Mike? Is he dead? Hmm, I would know. Fuck shit, fuck. Dune has dillied too long perhaps even dallied. Only a minute or two, but he'll be late. Dune gets into his car and drives 15 minutes into the early morning darkness. He searches for something to listen to. He takes so long to pick something that he doesn't pick anything at all. He's still deciding when he finds his parking spot. Volunteers park anywhere fairly hidden, out of sight of whichever place they're volunteering for. His spot recently has been an old parking lot behind an outlet in Lower Middletown. A ten minutes walk. Seven minutes if he's speeding, and oh, is he speeding! Redwoods in abundance, surrounded by smaller trees, and the vegetation grows stronger. The Chapel of Living Things resides inside of these things. He approaches the back end of the chapel and knocks on the door. Nothing. Coast is clear, Dune. He throws open the changing room for the attendants of the Chapel of Living Things and steps... Oh, 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 yes, he launches off his shoes. 
then steps foot inside the modest and emptied out changing room. He chooses the closest unclaimed stall and, once inside, he finds the chest where his belongings go. He puts his shoes in and hastily double robes with the shy and baggish linens hanging on the door. Dune Lyoth puts on his mask. Or, if I am to phrase it the way Valis does, Dune forfeits himself and puts on the volunteer. <coughs> GT. This volunteer exits the volunteer's quarters and, speeding down this long hallway lined with greenery walls in need of clipping, he searches for a supervisor. The groundskeeper is already at work. Familiar. Regal. Hidden. Their woodsy wolf's mask is particularly and peculiarly broody this morning. Groundskeeper. Volunteer. Late again. So sorry. We spoke of punctuality. Yes, yes, I know. I cannot have this as a common theme. I mean, it's, it's 4.32. It's not, like, late, late. It is a spirit of disrespect. The volunteer disagrees. No, yeah, totally. Ah, uh, the volunteer disagrees internally. Off to work, then. The volunteer nods and is off. Down one specific familiar hallway, they come to that place where that painting, that marlflage, once hung. Amforn's painting of the green lore, after being ripped from the wall by a certain prophetess and prophetic personal assistant, has since been reclaimed by the Vallis Museum of Pre-Prophetic History. The room behind this painting, once a secret, now lies open. This room, where one ill-faring blue lore met its demise, is now home to the orange sort. All right, wakey-wakey, kiddos. A hastily-derived safety gate keeps them inside during off hours, but now it hangs open. Ugh. Caretaker! Ah, the caretaker. Another divinely obscured servant of the chapel. Higher, however, than the volunteer. But in Dune's opinion... Real obnoxious, because they never close the fucking gate! One does remain inside. It clicks and clacks about the space, gently pushing off the walls, aimless. The Orange Lore, once known for their belligerence, now still known for this, but it's defined more as carelessness, thoughtlessness. Their legs or mandibles or appendages are puzzlingly unfazed by the greenery, as we had seen during Tara's little chase about Fodale Ale House. Yet, they are exceedingly careful with their torso and head above the foliage. A saddle is wrapped tightly around them, sliding right and left as their mandible legs move. Orville? No, not this one. A worn-down name and permanent marker on the collar of this reads, Patty. Duna praises this lore, troubled. Hey, uh, groundskeeper, where's Orville? Who missed? Where's the other one? It should be where they normally are. They're not, though. The caretaker arrived on time. So perhaps they retrieved that one. Oh. What are you waiting for? I just don't know, like, this one as well. And? But, uh, yeah, sure, yeah. I can, yeah. Dune carefully beckons this lore to bend down, and he leaps into the saddle on its back. Core strength! Noise. Riding the orange lore is a wibbly-wobbly endeavor. The five legs move in disharmonious anti-patterns, making turning corners problematic and shoving one's head into the foliage canopy much more than once. It's taken the last six months to get them even remotely trained to ride, but 
steady progress in training has been made. Okay, Patty. Left wing! Patty, stand still. Left wing, yep, yep. Steadily slow, training progressed. Dune sighs and tugs gently on the reins, a jolt. Patty whisks him down the hall into the center chamber and down yet another unhedged tunnel. This tunnel is already taken, however. Dune sees another orange lore with a green blanket under the saddle, bobbling back and forth in its gait a bit more than Patty does. Orville! Hey, buddy! Atop it, Dune sees a folk in a similar discolored tunic and a mask like his, except the simplicity is toned down by some flourishes in the design, designating a higher volunteering rank. Their arms are raised high above their head, hedging the dangling vines and ivy leaves from the green ceiling. Dune scoots Patty onwards and stops closer to them. Hey, uh, caretaker. Sa? It's a little anxious, so you want to be careful with Jocelyn around while riding them. Okay. Or, you know, we could just swap. Does it matter which one we use? I just, like, know Orville. Who the fuck? Shh, don't tell Groundskeeper. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> yeah, like, you're good. Shh, though. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's Orville? Orville? You're riding them. They have names. It's on their saddles. The other caretaker lifts their leg, revealing a massive embroidered name. Oh, Beans, dude. My bee. How do you know if it's a he? I, I, I don't know, like, how to tell, uh, but... Oh, so you assumed T. No, no, it's Voibs. Okay. The caretaker returns to snipping the leaves overhead. Some of them tumble lightly onto Orville's head, and Lore shakes its head shortly, violently, each time. The caretaker doesn't seem to notice this. All that to say, Orville and I understand each other. Cute! And... And? There's, like, a better way to cut the hedging so that it doesn't... I'll like my way, thanks. Okay! Okay! Dune exits this hall and ushers Patty into the one next to it. They set to work. He steps at the leaves from the top of this wobbling lore, muttering things to himself in hopes that he can keep his thoughts leveled with what volunteering is all about. He's thinking about good and wholesome things, quite literally. Think good things. He thinks. And he thinks these words over and over until he thinks, is he too focused on thinking about thinking about working? But then how do you think about working without thinking? But then again, how does one think about thinking at all? He should be thinking about nothing at all. Can one think nothing though? Can a head be empty? And if it is, then it is truly practicing good and wholesome volunteer thoughts? Oh, shut up, shut up. Dune, shut up. Ooh, something has happened. It had to have, right? You good? Caretaker? Orville? Help! Hmm. Dune intends to usher his lore forwards, but it's already in motion. Something prickly sinks into its rhythm as it leads him of its own volition down the hall and to the right. At the end of this, Dune sees a pair of feet poking out from the corner turn. Uh, caretaker? Hello? Incredibly unhappy to be doing so, Dune ushers his lore towards the turn. As they reach their destination, Dune notices chiefly two things. 
There is a cavernous hole in the side of the chapel of living things, leading into the early light of day. What? And in front of it lies a folk. Caretaker! Dune slides off the back of the orange lore, which has grown a little restless at this odd, odd sight, and steps back and back. Are you dead? Are you dead? For the first time ever? A decent question. Dune reaches the fallen folk's side and overturns their downturned body. They are sprawled over, breathing, yes, but their mask has been thrown, cracked down the center. Dune witnesses a flash of peachy skin, brown and blonde hair falling from a bun, eyes that flutter open, the color of... Don't look! Dune throws his gaze away. The lore steps back and back again, hitting the foliage walls of the chapel. Are you okay? Its color fluctuates dramatically. It throws itself off the wall and regains composure once again. Some orange rustles through the leaves. The lore has a moment of stillness. It's okay. You're okay. Just... And they charge. Ah! Dune throws himself over the fallen volunteer. The lore, in its last careful act in this frenzy of fright, leaps over Dune and the caretaker. Its hind three legs stab a perfect triangle around Dune's head, ripping a few strands of hair from his scalp, before launching itself through the gaping hole and into the earlyish morning light. Dune lifts his head, gasping for air, and watches it go. Wait! Come back! I don't think that will help. What happened? Get off, please! Ow! Oh, right. Dune flops off his fallen volunteer's body and displaces himself at their side. Sorry, sorry. Are you okay? I am... Oh, no! The groundskeeper, hearing the commotion, rejoins the scene. And the groundskeeper sees Dune, then the caretaker, then the caretaker's face. Caretaker, what is the matter? Where is your... The groundskeeper kicks the throne cracked mass in passing. They pick it up, shake off some dirt, and scurry to the caretaker and hand it to them, eyes averted. This is when the groundskeeper notes the hole in the wall. What's happened? The lore... They... Ow! We need help. Uh, uh, medic emergency flare. Where is that? No. Call the prophetess. Terra? But they're hurt. The prophetess is trained and will keep anonymity. Medical flares are for unmasked attendees. But that's not her job or the area of her expertise. Are you doubting our prophetess? No. No, I'm just... Anticipating that she'll send them to a medicine... Call her? The phones aren't working. It's Imbar. Do you have your wallet? Yes. Dune reaches into his pockets. Don't show it to me. The priestess will reimburse you for your taxi fare. Go get the prophetess. Now? Yes, now. Oh. (laughs) Dune is supposed to be at work in 30 minutes. Uh, can, can you... Caretaker? I can. I will. Now. Let's take a break. This season of Average Folks is sponsored by Escape Space Games Tualatin. Located just off of Tualatin Sherwood Road, Escape Space Games hosts six different escape rooms, each with their own unique themes and puzzles. Gather your friends and family for exciting adventures like the Toy Museum Heist. Rumors say that the owner of Randy's Toy Museum has acquired some sort of secret artifact not on display to the public, and it's up to you to find it. Or work together to solve the mysteries of castaways, where you must face a series of physical and mental challenges in the style of a certain tropical TV game show in order to keep your spot on the island. 
Visit the magic garden of the beanstalk, where the gardener is getting antsy and looking for a successor. Do you have what it takes to discover the secrets of the garden? Explore your senses with the Tualatin Valley Room, where you'll need your sense of touch, smell, sound, and sight in order to escape in time. Stage a prison break in cell block, where you and your team must first escape their own cells and then make your joint escape. Or get cozy with Tuta Tango, a two-person room with a mystery to solve about these two particular dancers. Adults play for $30, and kids under 12 play for $25. Escape Space Games is open Friday evenings, all day Saturday, and Sunday afternoon. Weekday plays are available by appointment. Visit escapespacegames.com or call 503-610-2394 to book your room today. Well, let's get back to it. Meanwhile, in Middletown, in the concrete jungle of rounded roofed apartments, Willow and Rourke have woken up at a reasonable hour for the both of them. 8 a.m. Willow's not only used to graveyard shifts, but they also have learned recently, much to their disappointment, that they are in fact more of a morning person. And Rourke, who typically works graveyard shifts now, struts into the kitchen with a well-slept gait because... Weekend, 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 weekend. Well, just for you, but yay, still. It's a make-breakfast kind of day. I love that kind of day. Is Tara still asleep? I think. I don't know. I didn't hear Tara Tara come in last night. Deathly curious and nosy. Willow and Rourke careen their necks towards the last door at the end of their little hallway. It's cracked open, revealing darkness. Her nightlight isn't on. Hmm. Definitely not here. Do you think she's okay? I know she and Mikhail had a late work night. Uh, do you think? No, she's too emotionally repressed. Maybe they worked it out, had the talk. Uh, hmm, probably not. And then what if they kissed? Or what if they worked? And then what if they fell asleep? Oh, come on! Why aren't you being fun about this? I'm just being realistic. Yeah, I mean, what could you possibly have against the Lyoth family? Rourke. Moment of truth. Willow approaches the door and peeps through the peephole. Is it her? No. Uh, it's, uh, they've got the mask on. A volunteer? Yeah. What are they doing here? Willow briefly wonders if this is about their guardianship dismissal. It's probably for Tara. Oh. Mm. Willow stops wondering that. Okay, I'm sorry! A volunteer stands in the doorway. They look unwaveringly at Rourke, then Willow. <coughs> hi. Mm-hmm. Um, we... uh, hello. hello. Hi. So what's the hippity, uh, hacks? Yeah, uh, is Tara the, the prophetess? Is she here? Uh, why? There's an emergency at the chapel. Oh, no. What happened? Uh... I don't think we're supposed to ask. Right, right. I'm divine obscurance. I'm sorry. It's not my business. I'm so sorry. Oh, oh no. Uh, Tara. It's time sensitive. Right, 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 right. Uh, sorry. She's not here. Well, where... Where is she? She should be back any second now. Well, what... What should I do? Uh, you can, like, chill here 
I guess. Ooh, this volunteer would rather not right now. Okay. You know, I used to volunteer. Oh, shit. We can talk about it after the fact, right? Uh... This volunteer already knew this. Everyone already knew this. Because every time Agnes came to Temple with the Lyoth family, Rourke would always greet her directly by name. I'm sure it's fine. Well, cool. Yeah, I worked at the Temple of the Priestess's Presence for a few years. Oh, heard that one's hardest to get into. Oh, definitely. I volunteered at Sanctuary of Dispurden for a couple years first. I don't know what living things is like, but it definitely cannot be more boring or more of a bummer than sitting in an empty concrete shell watching folks cry over a patch of flowers that used to be someone they love. Oh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Rourke gazes out the window. His smile fades. I should call my therapist back. Willow taps their fingers on the table, eyes flitting between Rourke and the volunteer. I... I want to ask you questions about you, but I know that you can't share details. I don't know. Uh, uh, what is your favorite thing to do in Dallas? Is that general enough, do you think? Oh, I don't think that's too much. Uh, I like Fodale Ale House. Oh, I do CNC there. Do you know what that is? Y yeah. Well, I do in theory. It's hey, it's so fucking hard to keep a CNC group together. And Tara hasn't given me her character sheet yet, but it's fine. It's it's just a game. <laughs> <gasps> Tara opens the door. Sleep staining her eyes, gray hair slipping out of her bun. So. so? We were working on the sculpture. It was a part that you had to wait for the clay to dry a little before we could do the next step. And we fell asleep. And then Mikhail drove me here to drop me off. And that is it, okay? I don't want to hear about it. One single smidge, Will O'Rourke. She spots the volunteer who is struggling to down this tea he has just learned. And she composes herself accordingly. Volunteer? What's, what's wrong? The service lures that living things ran away. Caretaker is hurt. Badly. Oh, shit. Are they okay? How bad is it? Pretty bad. And, of course, it's like M-Bar, so we couldn't just call you. Why didn't you just light a medical flare? Groundskeeper's rule. They wanted to keep, like, anonymity. Of course they did. I'm sorry. Sorry. Tara looks into their mask, this divine obscurance, and Dune watches her back and shoulders her apothecary bag, embroidered with Dune's own handiwork. He still thinks it looks pretty good. She takes her staff from its stand by the door. I'm ready. Let's go. The Temple of the Priestess has just gotten out of session. The Priestess steps off of the platform as the congregation disperses. A man, tall, broad, heavily bearded, with the guardianship uniform freshly washed and pressed with a teal insignia ever so bright, steps into stride alongside her as she exits the main hall and takes a sharp turn towards the back offices. Guardian Friedman? Priestess, how do you fare? Well enough. And you? Hanging tough. Was heading to the hearing room, figured I'd get your wave. 
Do we know how Project Saddle has been going in Living Things? No issues yet. Uh, groundskeeper reported nothing of note as of last week. Hmm. No news from the garden side? Who can actually see it? Vita? None. I have a check-in with her before her patrolling shift starts this, this afternoon. I'll let you know if she says anything. I'd like to meet with her as well, if that's alright. Of course. They pass by a triangular door, occupied, with two folks sitting outside and wait. We hear a stifled crying from the inside. Well, this is my stop. Hopefully I'll find nothing to cry about. <laughs> this time. Emotion is a good thing. Of course, Priestess. Carry on. Be held in greatness. And you, Priestess. The Priestess, stifled, walks quicker. She enters her office, letting out a breath of fresh air. She places her gloved hands on either side of her mask. Priestess! She holds, sighs internally, so very much not alone. She turns to see a small accumulation of her current temple volunteer staff. Her hands clasp gracefully in front of her, restrained. What is this? The new mask is finished. It will need your approval before the ceremony next Thursday. They take off the lid to this plain yellow box. Inside lies a mask. Ornamental, simple, smooth, with some stylized textures framing the face of it. It is an animal of muted yellow and brown spots, long in the face with a snout and nose slit so much further down than they ought to be. They have chosen the giraffe? Yes. Grace, power, longevity. Mostly symbols of an upper power, not a spiritual advisor. This older volunteer takes a moment to appraise the priestess. They raise their hand. Volunteers, you are released into your day. And the others trickle out, leaving these two alone, standing on either side of the table, framing the giraffe mask. This was overwhelmingly what the folks thought of as the correct next phase. We have many young folks in Temple now. I would not be surprised if it was a joke, volunteer. Mm. I've been in service to the temple of the priestess's presence for a decade. I've spoken with the priestess before about the new mask, and every time there is always a hostility to the change. I know this is your first, but it is the first of many. Change is inevitable. And as a position of power, no matter how spiritually obscured, is still in service to the folks around you. They have been guided into this decision. It is your task to work towards trusting it. The priestess of Vallis looks hard and long at this volunteer, wondering who is behind this mask, wondering whose ancient hands these are that hold her own, before carefully batting those thoughts away. I suppose... You may go now. Yes, priestess. May you be held in greatness. And you. This volunteer exits the priestess's office. And after taking a moment of stillness, Ovia 
seamstress rips the sadir masquerade this priestess from her face and she sets it down a little firmer than usual she gasps for fresh breaths she releases her hair from the strict knot that tamed it she holds the giraffe mask up to her face and sets it back down she opens a desk drawer and lifts some files for the one mirror in her office and she says hello to her own face prodding at some wrinkle lines forming Olvia then unsheathes a locked box in the back of the closet behind all of the priestess's robes fashioned from a local shop on the mend and enters a four-digit passcode. Inside, she unties the envelope that holds her personal items that she will wear to work. Second work. Always work. Ovia lets the priestess's anger flow away as she dons her low-backed jumpsuit, clunky-tiered red lace-the-whole-way-up boots, and clear rain cloak. Tailor-made by her, because why hide this sick fit? <laughs> she changes, and she waits. Ovia puts in her headphones. No, no, she jams them into her ears. But she doesn't play her music yet. <laughs> Not in this sacred space. She waits for folks to file out. And when they finally do, Ovia hits play. Seeing a clear path out to the back door of the Temple of the Priestess, Ovia runs. Tunes rip through her ears as she stomps in puddles. Her hood flies off and she lets the rain hit her tumbling hair. She bolts for the alleyway behind the abandoned mill house across the street, panting less and less every day she must do this. Here, she catches her breath. <sighs> she neglects to put back up her hood as she lets the rain hit her lavender hair, her bare face, her smile. Her first smile today. Okay, time for work. Olvia unlocks the front door of On the Mend and settles in. She's a bit startled in doing this. Dune is typically already here, sewing away. An oddity that he is not. Hmm. Olvia considers texting him, but when she pulls out her phone, she's dismally reminded that Inbar Invalis lacks service. She misses Solus solely for the cell coverage. Setting her phone aside, Ovia sets to work for a few minutes before... Uh, hello? Eller Lyeth stands in the doorway, simply dressed in contact lens clad, with a large bag tossed over his shoulder. Eller, come in. Oh, is Dune not here? No, why? Eller is not going to say he was hoping to get this done for free. Just wondering. Uh... My graduation cloak's a little wonky in the back. The school ordered them, they're super cheap, and I would have come in earlier because graduation is literally tonight, but they just got here. Yep, I hate the company they use. But oh, she always loves this day because Eller isn't the first student to come in for last minute easy tailored fixes. Olvia cracks her knuckles. A task, a mindless task. This is fabulous. I can get this sorted out. Uh, when do you think it would be done by? 
check back in at three. I'll likely have everything done by then. Eller briefly wonders if Dune will be back at three. Okay, great. Uh, Can you try it on for me? Oh, I forgot that's a thing that's needed to be done for fixing clothes. Uh, Yeah. After a brief and thrilling taxi ride, Tara and Dune the Volunteer arrive at the Chapel of Living Things. The opening is barred off with a sign, Chapel Postponed. In the center, they are met by a flustered standing groundskeeper. Took you long enough. Sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, Prophetess, thank you for coming. Who's hurt? Your shoes are still on. I... (sighs) Tara kicks off her boots clumsily where she stands and continues on. What happened? Who needs my help? Down this hall. Here. Tara, the groundskeeper, and her volunteer dune skirt around the corner, bare feet padding quickly along the freshly cut red grass. The ivy walls are neatly trimmed, although further down the job becomes first choppy, then untouched towards the end, leading to a large busted hole leading into the surrounding woods. In front of it lies the caretaker, their left leg twisted badly in shaking hands, holding up their broken mask. How long ago did it happen? Hour, hour and a half? (laughs) Okay, did you fire the emergency flare? We did not. Tara decides it is best to not open the can of worms labeled, why not, and uses this time instead to kneel by the fallen folk. I'm Tara, prophetess. How are you feeling? I'm freaking out, dude! That's valid. Can you move it? Oh, they try. A slight wiggle of the toes and pain rips through their leg. Ow, 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 ow! Okay, you can stop. Can I touch the calf here? The caretaker nods. Tara lightly prods, lightly shifts, watching first the caretaker's mask for facial expressions, then realizing that is not available to her right now. Tell me when it hurts. Fuck me! Okay, that's broken. Surprise, surprise. We really ought to bring you into an actual facility. We can't have that. Anonymity. Yes, but also being alive. I'm dying? No. Groundskeeper, look. A good friend of mine is head botanist there. She won't disclose any information as long as it's not life-threatening. Life-threatening? it's not. Are they dying? No! But I don't have the supplies we need to do a good and thorough job patching you up. That's all. Does that sound okay? Yeah. uh, Yeah. Well, I... What happened here? Did the volunteer not update you? No, they did. I just want to hear what you experienced. I was, you know, writing the orange lore, and it just reared up out of nowhere and lashed out at me and threw me off. Barely missed my head with his little pinchy, stabby leg and busted out of the wall. Then the volunteer came over, and their lore escaped, too. Groundskeeper, did you see this, too? Which way they went, maybe? No, I cannot see them. Okay. Okay. Volunteer, do they have any defining features? They have harnesses for riding. Uh, oh, the, uh, there's a blanket with their names embroidered on them. They have names? Patty and Orville. Okay. Any idea where they went? No, I can't see no, them. No, you. You know their names. Do you know what they liked? Where they might have gone? Under the mask, Dune perks up a little. <laughs> Helpful. Him? Addressed directly for advice? Him? 
Orville was really sensitive to being surrounded by leaves and stuff. I'd assume he'd move as far away as he could from that. Okay, so further in territory. Tara does some mental map stuff. Middletown is the closest concrete jungle. Could have hit UV by now, if they're feeling speedy. How well do you know them? Well enough. Do they respond to you? Respond? Yeah, like if you call Patty, does Patty come over? Sometimes, yeah. Tara's face scrunches in disbelief. Minor intrigue. Huh. I really need to go track down those lore. Make sure they're not on a rampage. Yes, we do need them back for tomorrow's chapel prep. I... Sure. Volunteer? Tara looks at Dune. Could you come with me? Uh, now? Yes. I, uh... They most certainly can. And will. I have... Haha, <laughs> shit. You can't really say your real job started 30 minutes ago, can you? No problem with that. Great, let's head out. What about our caretaker? I am not a doctor, but you know who are doctors? Doctors. Tara picks the emergency flare off the wall. It's for emergencies only. They can't stand up and there's no cell service and we can't use anyone's car because that would give away everyone's anonymity. So this is your best option. Thanks, Prophetess. She holds the flare up, feeling intent on firing it right here and now and making a cool little moment out of it. But then she remembers that we are inside a very unfireproof place. Oh, right. <laughs> so Tara continues on. Tara slips into her boots, June the volunteer dawdles after her, and once outside, she fires the emergency flare. Hello, Birch Trees. Original music by Liam Greenlee. New actors in order of appearance. Karen Lucky as the groundskeeper. Andrea Gallian as Vita, the caretaker. Thomas McCauley as Friedman. Olivia Cutterford as the volunteer. To learn more about Average Folks, follow us on Instagram at Average Folks Official or visit us at our website, average-folks.com. <laughs>